This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. We've been talking about this whole idea that the reason these extreme exercises work so well isn't the fact that they're really extreme. It isn't the fact that, you know, they're crazy and what they make you do. The, the, the reason they're so successful is that they just tell you to show up every day. They just tell you to get some consistency in your life. Show up every day and do that workout to the best of your ability. Listen, if you can't finish it, it's all right. You showed up and you did something. And if you do that consistently, it will transform your health. It will transform your health into something else. Well, we believe the same exact thing happens when it comes to prayer, man. If we will just show up every day, if we'll just get consistent in our relationship with God and talking to him and diving into that relationship with him, man, it will change our reality. And last week we talked about this what is prayer and what is it not and, 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 and what does that look like for our lives? And we, we dove into some of the things that were uh, some myths that maybe some people had and, and what really is prayer. And if you missed that, you can go on our website at coastalcommunity.tv and go to the media section and check that out. Um, but it's a, you know, we talked about all those things. And, and the interesting thing is, is prayer is something that a lot of us say that we're gonna do in our lives. We're like, oh man, I'll pray for you. But it's something that we don't really practice very much. We, it's, we give a lot of lip service, like, oh, I'll be in prayer, knowing full well that you're never going to pray for that person, that you never even think about them again after you say that to them, and you just kind of go on with life. And it's, it's something that we think about a lot about doing, but never actually put it into practice. And that discipline seems to go by the wayside a lot of times in the Christian faith. And so as a church, man, we are passionate about prayer, and, and we want to see us as a church, man, dive in and understand what prayer is and how we can pray, because I believe that God truly is in the, uh, about to do some amazing things in our midst. I believe that marriages are gonna be restored. I believe that, that people's lives are gonna be healed, that, that addictions are gonna be broken in people's lives and, and people that are far from God are gonna come to recognize God, not because of great services and all those things, but because people are praying. People are seeking after the heart of God and that heart of God is getting inside of their lives and it's transforming them from the inside out and it's making an impact in our community. And so today, you know, we talked about last week, like what is prayer and what's that all about? And that's great, but what I really wanna dive into today is, is how do we pray? Because a lot of people, I hear them talk all the time, man, the idea of prayer sounds good, but when we really get down to the nitty gritty, I mean, we just, like, what do I say? You know, what do I do when I'm supposed to pray? Do I just like, do I do the these and the thous? Is that how it works? I mean, what is the deal behind this whole prayer thing? How do I take that part of my life to a whole nother level? And Jesus really gave us a model for this. He gave us a template, uh, a, a pattern for our lives that we can kind of mimic in our own prayer life if we want to take our, our prayer life to the next level. And so if you have your Bible with you today, if you want to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 11, we're going to be hanging out there. If you don't have a Bible, you can go ahead and look in your worship guide. There's some notes in there. Um, if you have your smartphone, you can take it out and, and that little squiggly thing in the right-hand corner, that's called a QR code. You can Scan that with your QR code reader and it'll bring you the notes on your phone or you can just take a look at the screen. You know, we wanna make it as easy as possible for you to understand what God's word says. And so we're gonna take a look at something that, that Jesus was talking to his disciples about. His disciples came to him and said, man, we wanna know how to pray. We wanna understand this. And so Jesus is basically answering their question right here. And I think that there's gonna be some things that we can learn from Jesus's model of prayer that if we apply in our lives, we will see some transforming things happen in our prayer. It won't be 
stale. It won't be boring. It won't be mundane, but it'll be something that's life-giving and life-changing that's happening within us. And so uh, Luke chapter 11, is, is starting in verse one, it says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Now stop right there. I mean, to me, this is, this is a pretty profound moment because Jesus is there praying and, and his disciples apparently are there with him in that moment. And for some reason, Jesus must have had some dominant prayer language because when I think about this, you know, when I pray prayers, it seems like my prayers are pretty weak when I listen to them in comparison to my wife's. Does anybody know somebody that when they pray, you're just like, do they have like a direct line to God or something? I I mean, their prayer just sounds so much more holier than, than mine. Their prayer just sounds so much more connected to God than mine. And, and there's something about their prayer that my prayer is lacking. And I think the disciples recognize this connection that Jesus had with the Father. And they said, whoa, whoa, whoa. When we pray, it doesn't sound anything like that. There isn't that connection that, that, that he has. And I wanna understand what he's got that I'm missing out in my prayer life. Why do I not have that connection with God that he seems to have it? And so they say, Jesus, man, will you teach us to pray? Will you help us get an understanding of how we can have that direct connection to the Father so that we can truly grasp what he wants to do in our lives so we can have that conversation, so we can have that relationship that we have been longing for, that we've been searching for. And so Jesus goes on in verse two. He said to them, when you, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven. Now, now, as we dive into this, I know a lot of you guys are gonna be like, oh, I know this prayer. I was in Catholic church. We did this every single week because I grew up in Catholic church and we did this every single week. What is it called, this prayer right here? None of y'all know. Okay, awesome, great. You guys haven't heard it. The Lord's Prayer, is that what somebody said? Somebody, one person, good job. You'll get a cookie afterwards. I don't, I just, just kidding. <laughs> That was so bad. Uh, I'm sorry, Susie. Um, <laughs> it's called the Lord's Prayer, but I don't really think it should be called the Lord's Prayer at all. I think it should actually be called the Believer's Prayer because it's not Jesus's prayer. It's the model for us as believers, how we can have a, a direct connection with God. And he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven. And, 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 and the thing that I want us to grab a hold of this as we dive into this is, is it's not about exact words. Because a lot of times we've grown up with, man, you just say this prayer, you just repeat this thing, and it becomes a religious habit of, we say, thou, our Father who art in heaven, how with be thy name. We do all that repertoire, and it's just a repeating process. But really what Jesus was doing is he was laying like the train tracks for us and saying, here's a pattern. And if you get on this pattern and use this pattern, man, this is a pattern of success for your prayer life. Don't just repeat the words. Understand the pattern so that when you go to God, you can really pray to him the same way that I would pray to God. And what are some steps that I'm taking in my relationship with my dad? And he's so, so if we're gonna do that, there's seven things that I want us to grab out of the Lord's prayer and the believer's prayer, however you wanna tame that, name that. And the first one is this, is have confidence in your relationship with God. He says, man, when you pray, pray our Father, in heaven, and, 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 and Jesus is saying, listen, we're not praying to our boss, we're not praying to um, you know, uh, some person that's in authority above us, we're not praying to that because a lot of times, that's our perspective on God, we just think that he's up there in heaven just looking for opportunities to point out all of our faults, and, and so we're looking at him as this authority figure, as this boss person, as this, this person that we're under his authority, and that he's just looking for opportunities to just point out all those things, and Jesus is saying, man, that's not the kind of relationship that I approach God with when I go to him in prayer. 
That isn't how I look at God. How I look at God is I don't look at him as my boss or, or you know, the person in authority over me. I look at him as my dad. I look at him as my father. And the word there for father actually means Abba or daddy. And so he's saying, man, I, I approach God like he is my daddy. And, and the way that I would approach my daddy is, man, I would just go to my dad with whatever I've got going on and just talk to him. I would just have this, be able to run into his arms and just be like, dad, man, this is what's happening in life. And, and just embrace him in that way instead of embracing him like, man, he's just so far away from me and he's just so distant from me and there's no connection there whatsoever. But if we have a relationship with our father, man, when we get near our dad, man, we can just embrace him. That's why in, in Hebrews 4, 16, it says, therefore come boldly before the throne of grace. He says, come with confidence to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. He says, man, we should have this relationship and we should have this understanding that our, our father in heaven, not just God or, or our boss or the person in charge, but he is a father and, and he's saying, man, he's just sitting there and he's just waiting for us when we're in desperate times in our lives to just run to him and just jump into his lap and, and cover with him and just and just get there and get intimate with God and I know that that sounds so foreign to some of us because we don't have that kind of relationship with our God here on earth or with our dad here on earth and so we think man my dad was a tough guy my dad was was hard to talk to my dad was was very standoffish I mean he never embraced me he never said congratulations he never said I love you and that might be your dad's perspective here on earth but there's a heavenly father that's up there with arms open wide that's just sitting there and waiting for us to embrace him and recognize the man that we can run to him when we are in our times of need the problem is is most of us we we think about that as like a little kid and we've done something wrong and where do you want to go when you've done something wrong where do kids go when when they, when they poop their pants, where do they go? They go and hide in the corner, don't they? You know your kids, you're, you know your kids up to something bad, like when they're three and four years old or two or three, I don't know how old your kids are potty trained at, but uh, some of y'all, maybe they're 17, I don't know. Um, you know, but they're, they're over there hiding in the corner behind the couch like this. You know exactly what they're doing, aren't, don't you? And they know exactly what they're doing too. I mean, they're, they're dropping a dub deuce back there, you know, and... <laughs> And they're hiding, and the reason they're hiding is because they know that there's something that's, that's wrong in their lives, and they don't know what to do, and so they, they try to hide from that. And God says, man, when, when you're in the nitty-gritty and the dirty, when you need grace more than any other thing, man, you can just run to my arms. doesn't matter if you've got a poopy diaper. Listen, life stinks sometimes. You know, you can come right to me and just, just jump in my arms, and it might get squishy and stuff. It might squirt out or something. I don't know. <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. I love you. I love you. You can approach me anyway. And we think, man, we've got to get our lives all right before we can ever approach God. And God's not saying that at all. He's saying, man, just approach me as you are. With all your mess ups and all your screw ups, you don't have to have all that stuff figured out. Man, we'll, as you develop this relationship, we'll work on those things. Not you work those things out and then we'll develop a relationship. He said, man, you can just approach me with this confidence knowing that, man, I'm right here and and." I think one of the, the greatest things that God gets to do when we jump into his arms is, is he gets to let us off the hook. And I know that maybe we shouldn't look at sin that way, but when I think about how bad I've screwed up and I jump into God's arms and I'm like, man, I'm sorry. You know what, he has the opportunity to spank me in that moment, but most of the time he says, man, I forgive you. Man, I'm gonna let you off the hook, man, because somebody already paid that price. And because somebody already paid that price, you can, you can approach me. You can just come to me just as you are and I'll help transform you from the inside out. 
So many times we think we gotta go straight to business and prayer and God's just saying, man, just come to me with confidence. It's not about the business part. We'll get to that later. It's about the relationship. And I think that that's something we've missed for so long in church is that, man, we just, we just go through the routines and we're just trying to get A, B, C, D, E, F, G done. And God's just saying, man, just, just come and hang with me. Just come and spend some time with me. Hear my heart, lay up against me and get my heartbeat because my heartbeat is a lot different than what you perceive it to be. And so, man, we need, to, we need to approach and have confidence in our relationship with God. And he continues on in verse two, and it says, our, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's saying, holy is your name. And what he's saying is, man, what we do is when we approach God with confidence, man, then we go to God with this act of praise in our lives. And he said, man, we, what we need to do is we need to love God and worship his name. We need to just explore out and just open ourselves up to how great God is and say, man, God, you are awesome and you are great and you are worthy to be praised, man. And I'm God, I'm not gonna skip past this, but I'm gonna recognize that there's power in the name of Jesus and I'm gonna worship Jesus with all of my heart and with all of my soul and with everything that I have that I'm not gonna miss out on what you wanna do because so many times we wanna just rush through this. Oh, thank you God for your goodness. And we're just off in our next thing. We're off on our next part of the prayer, aren't we? I know I do it all the time. I wanna skip past praising God, but God, you know, his presence is ushered in through the praises of his people. And as we praise his name, his presence is ushered into our lives and, and he wants to do something transformational in those moments. And, and I think that, that one of the reasons we tag this series as changing our reality through prayer is because one of the ways we change our reality through prayer is through worshiping God in our times with him, not just corporately, but individually. And so many times we think that, that our worship is just a, a 20 minute deal here on, on Sunday, man, it's four, it's four songs. If we just sing those four songs, we're good for the rest of the week. But you know what, that's good for this moment, but that's not good for the rest of our week. God wants us to approach him every time and worship his name, realize that, man, his name is hallowed, it's it's greatly to be praised. And I think there was nobody better in the Bible than than King David. He really, truly understood this. And and in Psalms 103, man, he he praised this prayer to God and and it's one of my favorites. He, He says this, praise the Lord, O my soul, in all my inmost being, Praise his holy name. I don't know about you, but all of my inmost being, how many of y'all know that's a lot? That's not like, hey, thanks God. I mean, that is like letting loose of everything that's within you. Every nook and every cranny of your heart just crying out to God saying, man, God, I'm gonna pursue you with everything I've got because of how great and how awesome you are. And he continues on. He says, praise the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. When we start thinking about how awesome God is and the benefits he's given our lives, there should be so many things that we can thank him for that we can stay there for the next two weeks just praising his name. I don't know about you, and I don't know what God's done in your life, but I know what he's done in my life. He's set me free. He's given me life. He's given it to me more abundantly, man. All of my sins are washed away. And if I started naming those sins, man, people would be un, they wouldn't even know what to do with my life because they'd be like, that dude is jacked up. And God has set all of that free, man. He's done so many things. There's so many benefits to God. And we just neglected the fact that we woke up today and we were able to gasp another air of breath. That is a freaking miracle today. You know what, there's people that that didn't wake up this morning. They didn't get to kiss their kids. They didn't get to get into a car and drive here. They, they ran on their bare feet. You know, and we're all, I, I checked this morning as y'all were walking, all of you guys were wearing shoes. A lot of the world doesn't have that. There's so many benefits that God has given us and yet we neglect those things because we just expect those to come from him. And we forget about all the good things that he's given us in our lives. It says, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit 
and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. See, there's, there's a model there. As David is praising his name, he says, man, there's a reality change that happens. He says, so that, that's where everything changes. That's where reality changes. When we start praising God's name and we start worshiping him for all of he is, all that he is, you know what happens? So that our youth is renewed. Our inside is renewed. You wanna know how you can get strength in your season? You start focusing on who God is and what he's done and all of a sudden it's gonna start to strengthen your life because that's the benefit of worshiping him. It's the benefit of, of seeing him move in your life and realizing that, man, God is changing our realities when we, we go to him in prayer and we start worshiping him. And, and what prayer does is it, is, it doesn't, is it doesn't bring heaven down to us. It takes us up into heaven. And God, as we start worshiping him, we start entering into his place and to his courts, and all of a sudden we're before the very heavenly father that loves us so much that we can just go before him and talk and worship his name. Again, it's not why we, that's one of the reasons why we come here every Sunday morning and, and sing songs to begin this with. We could just start with this. And, but you know what? We wouldn't be ready for what God wants to do in our lives until we open ourselves up to him. Until we let go of what's happening in our life. And see, that's what worship does. It let go of our reality and it starts grabbing hold of how great and how big God is. And as we start recognizing how great and how big God is, our problems, our insecurities, the things that are going wrong this week in our lives seem to get so much smaller, don't they? They seem to get so much smaller. That's why we're singing songs like, our God is greater, our God is stronger, our God is higher than any other. You know what that says to us? That man, no matter how big our problem is, there's somebody that's greater that's out there that's helping us out. No matter how, how uh, difficult our, our circumstances are, man, there's something that is, that is more powerful that's out there. And if we start focusing on that, instead of focusing on our issues, all of a sudden we allow God to come into our circumstances and change our reality. And so continue on in verse two, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Man, we got to have confidence when we're coming to God and then we got to worship God with all that we have. And, but then we need to pray God's agenda first. And I think that this is, this is something that, that, that we miss. We don't, we think, man, I've got a prayer list to come to God with. I've got something I want to bring to God, but you know what? God has a prayer list for us. God has something for us to do in our prayer life. And, and before we rush into our knees, before we jump into all those things, we need to recognize and we need to seek God's agenda. And you know what God's agenda is for this world? You know what is his greatest prayer request for our lives? Our, his prayer, greatest prayer request for our lives is that we would seek lost people that lost people would be found in life. I know that this is hard to believe, but God's greatest desire and need for us isn't that our lives are comfortable and easy. I know that that's hard to believe. Everybody, that's because that's what we think God is here for. God is just here. He's here to be a crutch for us and he makes everything easier and all that stuff. Yes, he does those things. But the thing that God desires most for us is for us to impact lost people. That's why Jesus said, you know what? I would leave the 99 to go find one sheep. Because the lost person matters to me. The lost person, that's why he said, I didn't come to this world for those that were well, but for those who are sick. What does that say? That, that God's agenda, first and foremost, is for people that are far from him. And that, that if we'll start seeking out what is God's agenda for our lives, and we'll start seeking out the lost people that are around in our lives, and we'll start going after those things, and we'll start praying the thing that Jesus prayed, which is he said, man, I pray that there would be laborers for the harvest. He's not praying for lost people. He's saying, listen, there's plenty of lost people. We don't need to pray for them. They already, they already 
already, we already know that they're lost. What we need to pray for is that Christians and Christ followers would get some freaking boldness in their life. They'd get some gumption and start, instead of backing away from who their savior is, they would start proclaiming his name with grace and mercy. They start living out this life that looks like Jesus. So when lost people see them, they know that there's something different. They say, I want a piece of that. I want whatever that person's got. I want whatever is happening in their life. And he says, man, pray that they would be laborers in the fields. Man, that that God is calling us to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we miss that because we think, man, I'm praying for somebody else to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And God's like, no, man, I'm trying to get you to be the hands and feet. I'm trying to get you on my agenda. My agenda is lost people. Who are the lost people in your life that you need to be seeking out, that you need to be praying, that God, give me opportunities to reach out to them. Give me opportunities to be there in a moment when they're hurting and when they're broken and I can just be their friend. I can give them truth in a time when they're seeking answers in life. And that's what, that's what God is all about. He's here to seek and save those that are lost. but we think it's just to make our lives comfortable. And we miss out on the very heart and nature of God. You know, that's why the Bible tells us, for God so loved the world, he sent his son so that none should perish. Not a single one your friends, your family members, your neighbors. God's heart and passion is them. He loves you. Don't don't misunderstand me. He loves you with all of his heart. But you know what he wants right now is he wants them to know him. That's why we're talking about this this series. That's why we talked about this whole idea of, of, uh, of prayer is because, man, God wants to do something in our communities. Instead of seeking what everything for us, we need to start seeking things for him. In fact, this two weeks ago, my wife and I, we, we change up our, our prayer time a lot. And we were out actually walking in, in a neighborhood. And uh, some lady actually said to my, my wife, man, were you walking around this park yesterday with your husband? What were y'all doing? And we were prayer walking. We are going around, we are praying that God would send laborers to this neighborhood, that God would, that God would, these people in this neighborhood would have multiple opportunities to hear the life-giving relationship and the life-giving message of Christ and that, that people that are Christ followers and churches in that area would rise up and, and seek out creative ways to reach their community. And we're just walking around, we're just praying, we're just believing God. There is gonna be an exceptional harvest there of people because God's heart is people. And if we'll get our eyes off of ourselves and we'll get our eyes onto what God wants, man, God will start to change us from the inside out. Our, everything that we're looking at, man, is just not that important anymore when we start getting onto the things that are important to God. And so, man, when we pray God's agenda first, all of the things that are in our life that seem so big get so small. And he continues on in verse three, he says, give us our, each day our daily bread. And we need to present our needs to him. And, and this is easy because most of us, we, we get this one. We got our list and we can present it to him. But you know what? I think we miss it a lot of times because we're praying about the urgency, urgent things in our life. We're like, God, help me on this test or God, help me find a husband. God, help me find a wife. God, kill my wife. I don't know what that is, you know. 
We're praying about the urgent things that we wanna get done right now. And so we're, we're throwing out those quick prayers that are the instantaneous ones that we need like yesterday. And so we're praying to God those things. And, and I think we missed out because God's got a much bigger future than yesterday or tomorrow for us. He's got something further down in the future. And we need to start looking out a little bit further than what we can see in this moment and saying, God, what is the bigger picture that you have for my life? How do you want me to pray for my future? What are some areas that I need to be looking at and praying for? Maybe you are a single person right now. You need to be praying for your future spouse. You need to be looking, you know what, two or three years down the road, I'm gonna be married, man. I'm gonna start praying for that person right now, man. They would be passionate about God, that they would be pursuing him with all of their heart and soul and mind and spirit, that that would be who they are. Maybe maybe you're right now, you're working for somebody else and you, you feel like someday, man, there's gonna be a business that's gonna be birthed out of you. You need to start praying for that business now and saying, God, start developing those things within me. Start giving me the creative ideas to, to market that product or market that service that we're gonna provide and start praying beyond today and start praying for your future because God has got something great in your life. But so many times we neglect the future for today. And God has got something big and he's got something great. And we need to start recognizing those things in light of everything that's happening in the moment. We need to see beyond the moment to see to the future, to what God has, because the, the Bible tells us the things that are seen are temporary. What's happening in our circumstances right now, they're just temporary, but the things that are unseen, those dreams and visions and goals that God has put in your life, those things are eternal. He's got something greater in store for those. If we'll start praying and seeking him, it's one of the reasons I believe that there's three primary callings in my life that, that God has given me. And so I'm praying for those all the time, man. One of those is, is the pastor of this church, man. My, my primary thing, man, is I'm continuously praying, God, man, help me to shepherd this group of people better than I could ever shepherd in my life. God, give me a vision for where you want to take this congregation and this, this community. How do you want us to, to impact here? What does that look like? Help me to find the right team members to be a part of the team because I know the team is so much stronger than me as an individual. And so how can I put that together? And where can we find those people? God, open my eyes to see those. And then I understand that there's a greater calling that God wants us to plant hundreds of churches all over this community. Man, I'm just giving you some vision right now. Our church is not gonna, just gonna be one congregation right here. We're gonna have multiple congregations with pastors leading all those, those churches with the same culture and the same DNA and the same life-giving thing that has drawn you into here, that's helped you find Christ. Man, we're gonna put those all over Broward and, and Palm Beach and, and Miami-Dade counties because we wanna reach people that are far from God and we'll do anything short of sin to make sure that that happens. And so I'm continuously praying, God, where do you want that to be? Man, will you send leaders that will eventually go and take those campuses and raise them up to, to do great great things for your kingdom. And, and so I'm praying for all of those things continuously. And then, and then finally, there's this, this thing of, of just coaching other pastors and other church planners. And God, help me to give them insights and things that we've learned and things that we've done stupid that we can help them not make the same mistakes and, and build off the successes that we've had so they can have successful church plants as well. And so I'm continuously looking to the future of, of keeping my eyes, not on the immediate troubles, but on the, on the distant future so I can always, no matter what circumstances, that I'm going through, I can run right through that because I see where the future is. You know, what happens is, is if we're, we take our eyes off where we're going, we get caught up in the moment, we miss out on the, on the opportunities that God has because we get sidetracked. We take our eyes off the prize and we get sidetracked. And so God's saying, man, it's cool to pray for the things that are right now. Don't, don't misunderstand me. Those are, those are good things, but don't let that be the only thing. Don't let that be the only need that you're praying for. Put it on the greater things that God is still going to do in your life. 
And so, man, we need to go to God with confidence and we need to worship him with all that we have and we gotta pray his agenda and we gotta present our needs to him. And in continuing in verse four, it says, forgive us our sins or in some versions, our debts or our trespasses for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And what we gotta do is, man, we gotta get our heart right with God and with people. And this is that place where we go and we just cleanse ourselves. Man, we've, we go to God and say, man, I've screwed up this week. Man, I've messed it up big time, man. I fell into this sin. I, maybe I did this. Maybe I, I didn't have the right attitude here. And we just go and we confess those things to God. And we just kind of lay them out on the table and we say, man, this is where I've jacked things up in my life. And we all have those things. So, you know, we can try to deny that we don't do that, but we all do. Man, there's so many things uh, that we mess up daily and, and weekly and that we just need to go to God and just say, you know what, this is where I need to get my heart right. I need, I need forgiveness here. I need healing here. I need this cleansing to happen in my heart. And, and that's good. But there's also a person-to-person effect that I think we miss out on a lot, that we seem to, to, to look all throughout the Bible and you start reading, there's this common trend and theme throughout the Bible that it's not just okay to get your heart right with God. That's one aspect of it. But there's another part where we need to get our heart right with other people. When there's something against, when we have something against somebody else or they've hurt us or they've done something, we need to get those things right in our lives. And Jesus is talking in Matthew chapter five, verse 23. And he says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and then remember that your brother has something against you. He says, whoa, well, man, if you're coming before me and you're praying and you're seeking me out and you realize there's something that you've got wrong with somebody else, maybe there was something that was hurting your life or you did something or they did something and you're holding something against someone else, you need to stop right there. He says in verse 24, leave your gift there in front of the altar and first go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift He's saying, man, there's a direct correlation between our relationship with God in our relationship with people. And if, if there is something that's wrong with somebody else that you've got a problem with, man, it's gonna affect your relationship with God. In fact, before you come to God, we need to go and first, he says, first, he says, don't do it after you've done all your stuff with God. He says, man, that's the first thing you need to go. You need to go and make that thing right. You need to go and get that, that burden off of your chest and you need to get that thing out there so that you know that. And that's a huge principle that we need to learn right here because as a culture, what is our tendency to do when conflict comes? to run. When something, when we have a conflict with somebody, what do we wanna do? We would just wanna turn and go the other way. We don't wanna address that conflict and it's no more prevalent than the church. You know, somebody, you heard a rumor that somebody said something about you at church and you go, man, you know what? My answer to that is I'm just gonna leave church. I'm gonna go find another church. I'm gonna go find a church where somebody isn't gonna say something about me. And so we, instead of going and talking to that person, what do we do? We run from it. And we go to that other church and we think it's gonna, be the, it's gonna be differently there. But you know what? There's people at that church. And if you haven't recognized yet, people are the problem. Um, and so until you learn to deal with people, you're always gonna have problems because the only church that you're gonna do well at is the church where you're the only one that's there. And you're probably gonna jack that church up too. So I mean... That's just not gonna work. And so we need to recognize that, man, we're bad at this. And, and the thing is, is that we know this as a whole, that, that our greatest growth comes in our greatest struggles, doesn't it? Our greatest relational growth comes when we have the biggest problems with other people because we learn how to deal with conflict. You know what? And our greatest struggle comes our greatest strength. I've, I've been working out here lately. I've been, I've been actually doing one of these stupid exercises called insanity. And it's stupid. I'll just tell you that straight up right now. Don't ever do it. You are, if, if Sean T ever comes into this church, I'm just telling you right now, God is my witness. I'm punching him in the throat. And then I'm gonna pray for him. 
and I'm going to ask for forgiveness. And so uh, I'm going to deal with that conflict right there. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm doing these exercises, and, and it's a struggle, man. I'm like, I'm like, seriously, you want me to do push-ups and tilt my legs back and do these one-handed things and, and do all these weird knees to your elbows? I don't bend that way. I don't, I'm not flexible. I'm not like Gumby, bro. I can't put my foot behind my head. It doesn't work like that. But yet every time I struggle in those things, you know what happens the next day? I can take it a little bit further than I could the day before. I could go a little bit deeper. I could do a few more reps than the day I could before. And you know why? Because without struggle, there is no strength. And God is trying to build a people that are relationally strong, not only with him, but with each other. And he knows that, man, if we can work out these differences that we have with one another, man, it's gonna open us up to, to learn, to go and talk to God and deal with the differences that we have with him, the conflict that we have with him when he doesn't do the things that we think he should. And we can deal with that conflict with him. And he's saying, listen, the same way that you need to come and talk to me about things, you need to go and talk to others about things. And, and, you know, Peter addresses this and he, he says, man, this is because he understood this. He believed that, that our relationship with, with others is directly connected to our relationship with God. He kind of weighs in on it in 1 Peter 3, 7. He says, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, some of y'all, you, you guys know exactly what this is because I don't know about you, but when I get into a fight with Shayla, and yes, we fight, you know, we're normal. We, we, have, we have some, we have some, uh, some, he, some heated arguments at times, you know. Uh, we like to talk, tell them as, say that they're loud discussions. That's what we call them. We have some loud discussions. And you know what? When we've had some loud discussions and we have not agreed to disagree or we just disagree completely, I've found that it's really hard to pray in those moments. Anybody else is married, you find when you, when you got something wrong with your spouse and you're like, I'm mad at them, like it's hard to pray, isn't it? You're like, man, the only prayer that really works right, right in that moment is like God kill them. And I think that's like a loophole or something for married people, um, you know, that, that's there. But there's, there's, this, there's this tension that's there that you can't see God in that moment because there's something against somebody else. But when we make that thing right, it seems like the, the floodgates are open of heaven open up and all of a sudden we can communicate. And I, th I don't think it's true just for marriage. I think that's true for, for every relationship that we have in our life. Because there's a direct connection of this idea that we can't run from conflict, but we've got to address it. And as we address that conflict, man, it opens up the communication with God. And so we've got to understand that, man, we can't just ignore that We've got to confront it. We've got to address it. We've got to get our heart right with God and with other people. He continues on in, in verse four and he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He, what he's saying there is, man, we've got to confront the enemy. We've got to confront the enemy. Last week we talked about this whole idea of intercession, that it's going into battle for other people. It's, it's standing up, it's standing in the gap, it's, it's doing some spiritual warfare, it's saying, man, I'm gonna get in the devil's face and I'm not gonna let him take and keep what he's stolen. And this is what I know is when somebody steals something from you, the only time you can get restitution is when you confront that felony, when you confront that act of, of, of them taking something from you is the only time you can get restoration. And, and the enemy is continuously 
constantly trying to steal stuff from us. He's trying to steal our hope. He's trying to steal our joy. He's trying to steal our peace. He's trying to destroy our marriages. And we need to get into his face and we need to confront him and say, you know what? The devil ain't taking this from me. Man, this is not yours to take. This has already been paid for by Jesus. And, and we need to understand that, man, we, we're not gonna be led into temptation. In fact, a more accurate translation of this verse is that, that is, is, is it says, do not let us be led in temptation because God doesn't lead us into temptation, but the devil is tr continuously trying to tempt us. And so we need to confront him and say, man, you're not gonna lead us down that path. You're not gonna allow us to go that way. We're gonna stay on God's path and we're gonna take this aggressive side of prayer where we're gonna seek out God and we're gonna break ground for those that we love in the spirit realm. And we're gonna make sure that you're not gonna steal, kill and destroy those that which, which we're covering in prayer. And we're believing God is gonna do something awesome for in their lives. And we need to go and we need to start seeking out God for those family members. And we need to say, man, devil, you're not gonna take that, man. We need to start seeking out God for those children that are far from him right now, that, that we raise them in the right way, that they've gone astray on that path and say, man, They've been taught the right way. God, I'm gonna stand in the gap. I'm gonna make this, these prayers for them and I'm gonna intercede for them. And I'm gonna trust that you're gonna do battle in the spiritual realm to make sure that they come back to you. And I'm gonna make sure that the devil isn't gonna steal those things. I'm gonna make sure that they're not gonna be led away into temptation, but God is gonna be there. And so we need to confront that enemy and we need to get in his face and we need to do some warfare. We need to stand in the gap and we need to, we need to sacrifice some, some of our time and some of our effort for those that are far from him so they can come back. So the things that are, that are trying to be stolen can be rescued back to us. And then he goes on in, 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 in Luke, he kind of ends there, but in Matthew, he, he continues it on. And most of us have heard this part. It says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever." Amen. So we need, to, we need to come to God with confidence. And then we, we need to worship God with all that he is. And we need to start praying God's agenda and, and present our needs before him and, and get our heart right and confront the enemy. But then we gotta trust God with absolute assurance in his ability. You know, we come to God and, and we pray and, 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 that, and it's really easy to just start to kind of go back and forth on that prayer saying, man, I don't know if God's gonna do this. I don't know if God's gonna come through. And we start to doubt those things. And what we need to do in those moments is we need to trust God with absolute assurance. We need to say, you know what? God is in control and he's working on it. Even though I can't see it right now, I don't understand it right now, God is in complete and total control. The entire world belongs to him. The enemy has already been defeated. He's already had his opportunity and it was taken away. This is God's world now. This is God's time now. And I'm putting it in his hands and I'm trusting him fully with it. And so my challenge to us today as a church, as a, as a body of believers is, can you set aside time to pray with God? You know, last week we challenged you you know, can you, can you give five of your seven days to God? Pray for a couple minutes. I know I, I had a couple of people say like, listen, I, I like the idea of that, but I don't know how to do that. And that's why we're teaching this this week. This is, this is a model for you. And you know, the reality is, is those seven things, if you were to pray each of those a minute, that's, that's like seven minutes of your day. Most of us have an extra seven minutes of our day. And this is what I think you'll find that if you'll start praying those things, it won't last a minute, man. You'll start seeing that spending time with God is actually really enjoyable. You start thinking about, man, I can just go to God like he's my dad. And I can worship him for all that he's done, man. I, that, 
you know, I can do that for, I can do that for a minute. And then there's two or three people that, that I know that are far from God. I'm gonna pray that, man, God would put people in their lives. Man, that he would use me in their life. That he'd give me an opportunity this week to, to meet with somebody or talk with somebody or encourage somebody. And then I'm gonna bring some things before him and I'm gonna say, God, this is where I'm at. My life sucks. Help me in these. I need your help. Then I'm gonna make sure my heart is right with God and other people. I'm gonna take back what the enemy has stolen. Then I'm gonna trust God fully in it. Could you do that? I know that seven minutes, that's a huge sacrifice out of your day, but I think God is worth it. And I think we need to challenge ourselves in this discipline of prayer to not just let it be something that we say that we're going to do and, and it be the most talked about thing, but the least done thing to the most done thing. And maybe the least talked about because you'll see the answers in your lives continuously. And you don't have to talk about what you've prayed for. You can celebrate all that God has been doing. The Bible tells us we have not because we ask not. Are you ready for God to change your reality? Are you ready for God to change your life? Are you ready to see him move in ways that you've never seen him move before? Let's pray. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv.